Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Elizabeth Barnett-Lawton, and I'll be interviewing some of the industry's most inspiring talent for the British Beauty Council's Career Insights podcast series. Looking back on the last two decades of my own career as a magazine journalist and a university lecturer, it was having the opportunity to interview thought leaders, celebrities and entrepreneurs that has been one of the greatest highlights. I'm just as fascinated today in speaking to the great minds and personalities behind industry figures as I was reading about them as a student. Hearing someone's story, a shared experience from someone who's made it in their chosen field, can provide much needed inspiration for anyone seeking a path to a fulfilling career. This is why the British Beauty Council are providing special access into the careers of inspirational beauty industry leaders exclusively for our members. So whether you're a student or perhaps you're thinking of a career change, we think our Career Insights podcast series featuring some of the UK's best talent could be the vital boost to your dreams and motivation. For me, and I hope for you too, the podcast series is a fascinating insight into the lives of some of Britain's biggest beauty success stories. Welcome to the show. Sonia Haria is the beauty director for the Telegraph Media Group, where she's been writing beauty features for over a decade. She began her career in beauty working on the benefit counter in Peter Jones while studying for a journalism degree at City University London. Incredibly, Sonia's worked her way up to the role of beauty director from a work placement, having been appointed beauty writer in 2007. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to her today to find out how she carved out this role for herself and how journalism has changed. Hi, Sonia. Such a pleasure to meet you. Um, because I've read your work and um, as you know I was a beauty journalist a sort of decade before the decade before you've had your sort of the height of your career and of course you've had 13 years and eight months according to your LinkedIn at at the (laughs) Telegraph so uh, you're all in one place which is a fantastic record but you studied journalism and contemporary history what drew you to, to beauty journalism? Well, when I, um, I always wanted to be a journalist. So when I was doing my A-levels, um, everything was always geared towards writing because I loved studying English. I loved studying history. Um, and I really was passionate about um, journalism and I loved reading. So I kind of knew I wanted to be in journalism, hence the degree choice. But um, actually, while I was studying my degree, I um, worked on a makeup counter um, on Saturdays and Sundays at the um, at Peter Jones in Sloan Square. It was the benefit makeup counter. Mm-hmm. And it was my Saturday, Sunday job. So by week, I would be studying my journalism degree. Um, and then by the weekend, I was on the on the shop floor in Peter Jones and doing kind of makeup and um, uh, talking with customers and just I mean I've always had a real passion for beauty and but it wasn't until I kind of really started working on a makeup counter that I just realized the complete like confidence boosting power of beauty Mm. Um, you know we'd have women who'd come to the makeup counter and would be you know, looking for kind of cautiously looking for a bit of inspiration. And we were there to kind of provide that. So um, actually, I made some of my best friends from the makeup counter. I worked there for um, for two years. And so when I um, when I came to look for kind of career options and um, internships, I, I basically landed an internship on my year out in the industry. So I did two years of my journalism course. And then took a year out to go and get some industry experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I'd only really had, um, I only had three weeks at the Telegraph lined up. So three weeks on Stella magazine in the September. Just one workplacement. Just one workplacement, yes. One. <laughs> and I will always remember this moment. I was sitting on the circle line tube going home, like actually going home from the, from Sloan Square to go like to get my train home. And just thinking, oh, gosh, I should really bring up my course director at university and just tell her, what shall I do? Shall I just come back to university and finish my degree now? Or and this is back in 2006, I think. Um, or should I just take the plunge and do these three weeks and hope something comes of it? Thankfully, I decided to not call her. And I did go on and do the um, the internship at, um, at the Telegraph for, for a couple of weeks, which then turned into a couple of months. 
um, and it was um, an internship on the on Stella magazine. So mm. previous to this, I was kind of always I was sort of thinking I'd be a news reporter. You know, I really wanted to work on a newspaper, but I kind of wanted to do news and like mm. really kind of drawn towards um, you know human impact stories and 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 kind of quite um, and like politics. A lot of my degree was in in politics. But I landed this internship on the magazine and immediately fell in love with it. It's like, oh my gosh, I've just found my home. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. I get to speak to um, like um, inspiring women all the time. And gosh, like really kind of see that whole power of beauty and fashion. And I started out on the features desk, but I was always like, oh, by the way, I really know about beauty stuff as well because um because I really love it and I'm super passionate about it and I work on a makeup counter and yada yada um and then eventually kind of I ended up getting a job at the Telegraph um as a as an editorial assistant on Stella magazine kind of eight months into my internship was that when you graduated or were you no, sort of so, how did you manage this situation with still doing yeah so I was, I was still in my year out so I think I got my I think I um I was offered the job in the sort of May or June, um, the year after I started my internship. So I was supposed to go back to university that September, but I was, there was no way I was going to turn that job down um, because actually this was just around the time, like just before the, um, the big recession in 2008. So I, again, then just called up, I did call up my course director at this point and I said, look, amazingly the telegraph have offered me a job um how how can I make it work how can I do both essentially and they made it happen so I um they were I mean all of my sort of course directors were ex-journalists themselves so they were mm-hmm. very sort of um passionate about um actually having real experience in mm. the industry um so did you manage so, to do um something yeah. whereby you you got your degree by by maybe handing in some pages that you'd worked on or well did I did to... um so I did uh, uh every week I'd go to university one afternoon like every Wednesday from from work I'd leave at lunchtime go to university do a couple of seminars and then essentially still do all of the work but just in the evenings while I was um working at the Telegraph and wrote I wrote my dissertation while I was there and I remember kind of going off into an interview room at the Telegraph um uh, you know one afternoon to go and do some interviews for my dissertation and my Mm. it was it was amazing I mean my dissertation was about um was all about the Tony Blair years Mm -hmm. in politics and his um uh, kind of Alistair Campbell and and the way that the kind of relationship between the press and, and the parliament and, and that sort of thing. So I'd kind of be doing that dissertation and then kind of still doing my day job of the, um, at the magazine, which was full on. It was definitely a very full on year, but it meant that I could still graduate from my degree when I was supposed to with all of my mm-hmm. friends, um, with all of my friends in my, in my year. But um, I kind of, essentially spent my final year working for four days of the week yeah that's a rare story you know Sonia yeah, because I know. They, they must have really recognized the talent that they wanted to keep you quite early on at the Telegraph um, but the other thing is it's very interesting um, because I was going to ask you what skills you, you need to be a good beauty journalist and clearly there's the communication that you um you know, studying journalism, but not knowing the specialism. So those skills, and then whatever your passion and interest is. And when those two worlds collide, you have your specialism. Absolutely. I know. And totally, as soon as um, there was the opportunity to start contributing to um, the beauty page, actually, it was just one beauty page at the time in the magazine. And um, I, you know, for me, I was like, this is, how is this a job? This is heaven. I get to speak to people. I get to interview people, which was always a real passion of mine. And I loved, I loved just kind of, um, I think because I started out on the features desk, I really loved interviewing and speaking and and hearing stories and also just um, seeking amazing expertise within the beauty industry, which is something that is um so incredible I mean the fact that you can and it's very broad isn't it compared to any other specialism it's kind of the broadest specialism 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can all, you know, instantly think, right, I'm doing a story on, you know, nails and you can immediately speak to a um, a scientist who can help and uh, a, a nail technician and also someone backstage. And, you know, there's just, it's incredible the, the amount of talent within the industry. So I immediately kind of felt um, I was home in the beauty industry, you know, from, from the passion that I had, but also, um, you know, really kind of enjoying writing beauty content. Um, and then that slowly, you know, turned into one, from one page turned into two pages. And, and over the years, I, um, you know, the Telegraph has become hubbed. So um, we now kind of, everything's, it's one beauty desk working across the newspaper, digital, um, and both magazines. So mm. there's a real sort of variety there. So, so what does a typical day look like for you? Um, oh, well, at the moment, um, I mean, a typical day is quite, usually quite busy. It's quite writing heavy. Um, yeah. because, you're, so, because you're a newspaper beauty journalist, which is quite different from being a magazine beauty journalist, isn't it? Which, where you juggle writing with photo shoots. So it's more writing. And then presumably you still have to send all the still life stuff to get shot. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we we have a large portion of um, a large portion of my day is is writing, setting up interviews, and um, because we, uh, I kind of always want to challenge the conception that you know beauty isn't newsworthy, and actually is. This and we've really seen that in the past year. You know, um, mm, lots beauty. of cover lines. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's always the mark of success, I think, for a beauty editor. As a competitive young sort of journalist myself, you knew that if you got a feature that was cover line worthy, like you, that you'd won and you'd put beauty on the map somehow. I know, it was amazing. And, and you know, we have such a supportive, um, you know, I'm really sort of, um, I'm really lucky in that we have such a supportive network, actually, at The Telegraph that, who you know, of women who actually really want to um, sort of champion what we're passionate about. So I'm so passionate about the industry. And actually in the past year, we've had real opportunities to really kind of, um, like you say, kind of put beauty on the put beauty on the cover, which we have done several times over the past year in for the magazine, but also, um, you know, I remember, gosh, like a few months, um, a few months into lockdown when, Got on the cover of the Daily Telegraph was a picture of um, like a nail salon. I was like, gosh, this is amazing. This mm. would never happen. And yet, you know, um, suddenly in the last 12 months, beauty really became front page news. Yeah. Um, and that's hugely exciting. And what I want to kind of um, really do is, is in, in however we can um, champion the fact that, um, the, you know, the beauty industry is this amazing, diverse mix of people who've got such amazing talents mm. um, and kind of tap into that amazing knowledge, really. Absolutely. So um, in terms of where you get your ideas, where do you get them from and what's the process? And, and coming back to the cover idea, one of the things that I learned, but I only learned it when I went to work for InStyle, which is very American and yeah. hardcore in how you do everything, is that on InStyle, they said, think of it cover line back. So instead of coming up just with your headline and your and your features like cover line back. So cover line, headline, sub, you know, and, and all your ideas had to be presented like that. They wow. wanted everyone to compete, all the different departments to almost compete for that. So I don't know, have you sort of, do you dream up sort of, oh, this would be a great, <laughs> great cover line story ever with the ideas that you've had this year? Absolutely. Um, yes, I mean, what we try to make sure is that every, even if it's a really sort of meaty feature we're doing, it's always very newsy and we want to kind of stay very true to the newspaper with that respect. So even if there's a, um, it's funny because actually a supplement like working on Stella, um, it's still a fast pace, I guess, compared to a monthly magazine. But um, actually with the Stella stuff, I'm like, gosh, we've got the luxury of spending a whole afternoon writing a piece and you know so there's actually it's it's amazing to kind of um have slightly different um speed levels I guess mm. you know so. an afternoon is quite quick Sonia it's <laughs> quick and it does mean that in a sense your biggest pressure is when you've got to chase the interview you need that interview now yeah pretty much I mean we're you know 
uh, we're kind of used to to turning around a news story online within an hour. Um, for, for magazine, you know, we can very easily have an up page, which means that we need to have an idea ready um, by the following day and kind of written quite quickly. So things kind of move around a lot, but actually, um, I think and like, because these times all... are even shorter now, though, aren't they? They're even shorter, even shorter, absolutely, because of the social media that someone just go and post that in, in a second. So you've got to get it up within totally. an hour. Totally, totally. And if we, you know, if we want to be first on news, which we want to be, as long as it's sort mm. of news that's very relevant to our reader. Um, yeah, time is of the essence completely. So, you know, that was especially true last year with, um, with lockdown lifting, you know, we were completely on top of everything in terms of like making sure that the news was out as soon as we knew. Um, so yeah, there were lots of kind of late night WhatsApp messages with mm. Millie, um, <laughs> like me trying to prize information from her. Um, and then you've <laughs> done so much for the British Beauty Council. And we're so grateful. Yeah, no, I've, it's been amazing. Support. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a great, um, it's become, it's such a great resource, I feel. And I, I feel like a real sort of, um, uh, sort of a council of trust really you can kind of you know that all of the information that you're getting is really reliable and of the best quality which is you know as a journalist exactly what as you know you kind of want to make sure you're getting yeah. um, so I don't even think I answered your question in terms of cover lines yes we totally have to always think of the line it's always the line what is the newsy here what's the story why does why does our reader want to know why do they care um why are we telling them um so, so are, are those, yeah. is that how you were taught almost to ask yourself those questions yeah. why do they care yeah absolutely it's um because I wasn't taught in that quite that way but there was a temptation as a junior journalist to write especially on a monthly magazine like Vogue which is just that you can basically write about whatever trend you're feeling what you're vibing yeah kind of thing but then if you went to a, a kind of commercial title uh, as I did, you, you basically get, would get slapped down if you were going to write something that was a bit too self-indulgent. Like, what? How is the reader? How is it useful to the reader? And always, always, um, because it's very tempting to write about what you what you fancy writing. <laughs> Absolutely, and we do do that. You know, we do, especially online. We do a lot of um, um, we do a lot of sort of opinion pieces, but they have to be again um, always we kind of try to never make anything self-indulgent. You know, it's not talking about why you love something just for the sake of it. It's actually um, always um, maybe providing an, an, a sort of differing opinion to the, a news story or um, just perhaps kind of giving a, a, a first person view on, on what you and how you feel of, you know, like, if there is any new news coming out, everything's always hooked to the news and, and something very sort of talkable. Um, and, and yeah, and obviously when it comes to the magazine, so my column in Stella magazine on a Sunday, again, is very much, um, we try to keep it um, newsy in terms of new launches, what's the industry launching, what's become a bit of a trend in terms of, you know, new makeup and skincare, um, but also, you know, if a lot of the stories come from conversations. So if I've had a conversation with um, a dermatologist perhaps, and they've given me some really kind of amazing insight that I haven't heard before, you know, that can, again, that's something that will be really sort of user-friendly and useful for our reader, but then I can make a really nice sort of, um, uh, write a really nice column comment piece around it. I kind of, I do want to make sure that there's always that why am I writing this for question. Mm. It's so important and to have your finger on the pulse of what you feel is relevant to the reader at that point in time and then not kind of leave that idea too long. And, and do you also, um, do you also get through a lot of, I, I got through a lot of notepads, like hundreds <laughs> of notepads because I was taught by my first boss who is a newbie hands um, on, on Harper's when I was an assistant to ne never go anywhere without your notepad. And in fact, she said, I'm not even going to speak unless you've got your notepad and pen. <laughs> Actually, but it, it's amazing, but it's such good advice. And consequently, I've, I've been like it ever since. And I go everywhere. I mean, uh, you don't even want to see the pile of notepads with scrawling 
to the yeah. Test I mean, I've literally every I've got I've got three of um I've got three of these like just always constantly yeah. around me in about twenty. The Smith, of course, it's a Smithson. I'm a beauty editor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I had I've still got Smithsons that I haven't written in because it was almost too good. Especially you get the gold one. You've written in your gold one, huh? <laughs> I know. I know. It was yeah. I kind of I thought you know actually in lockdown, I've um I've. I've had a realization that I'm going to stop using things or keeping things for best and just use stuff and enjoy it. And I do get a lot of enjoyment out of my gold notepad. So yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but pinned to news. So that that's the other thing that I learned. And I'm sure you, you, you've got to do it because you're part of a newspaper group that you have to get up in the morning and read the news. Right. Yes, exactly. And then do you, and then do, you do your ideas and go into an ideas meeting sort of daily? Yes, so um, exactly. Yeah, every morning um, we're kind of. Uh, I sub I'm subscribed to several newsletters and a, quite a lot of American newsletters actually. So first thing in the morning, they are always in my inbox, um, which is probably not so good for the old anxiety. But <laughs> it's um, especially during lockdown. Actually, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to stop reading the news, which you can't do if you work on a newspaper. But um, so yeah I kind of read a lot of news in the morning and then first thing in the morning at sort of 9 nine thirty, myself and my team there's three of us um we'll have a morning meeting so we'll just have a catch-up and we'll talk about the day schedule um in terms of online stories so we try to get sort of probably two pieces up every day um which is um actually less than it used to be so we used to sort of go for three but we now do um yeah we now tend to do sort of two pieces a day um some of which we do in advance but actually a lot of it is very much um again geared towards the news so if something happened overnight or if some new pictures were spotted overnight or you know um or that morning we very we're very sort of agile so we quickly change our we can we can change our schedule so I've, i love a good excel spreadsheet so we've <laughs> and a good trello board so we've um we've got kind of everything um kind of loosely put into our online schedule but things do move wow. around that is organized an excel sheet okay <laughs> um is that organized that's yeah i mean i never used an excel sheet oh yeah no we, we're uh yeah I, I can't function without seeing everything visually written down and kind of having having a time structure of, of when things are going up so that's fine and then we um uh, you know, the beginning of our weeks tend to be um, quite geared towards print stuff um, and, and print features um, because our, uh, our copy deadlines are kind of at the beginning of the week for, for the magazine. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a juggle, essentially, yeah. working on quite a multi-hubbed, uh, you know, multi-platformed um, multi job. Yeah. We can kind of, we're always very digital first, so we um, we kind of you know, we'll always go digital in terms of any news, but also we'll discuss lots of features in that meeting um, mm. and kind of talk about any sort of online stuff, social stuff. Um, and then, you know, at the drop of a hat, we might be asked to write something for the next day's newspaper. You know, if there's something particularly topical, it could, it could be like, oh, can you turn something around within four hours you know for for a full page spread perhaps or, or for a or for like a full page feature if there's um like Judy Murray's a turkey neck facelift a few weeks ago was a massive talking point for us mm. um and for our reader so um as soon as that news came out I wrote a big feature online but then also something um uh, completely different but tied to that news for the newspaper the next day mm. so it's just kind of yeah. it, it, there juggle. is a lot of yeah there is a juggle but so actually I love it that's two features for online just to be clear two two between, to between the three of digital. us bet yeah between the three of us which I mean are you know the the other members of my team are hugely um hugely skilled at um yeah I mean it, it kind of works it kind of works. It's it's it is hectic. It's kind of when you take a week off and then you're like, oh, wow, you don't kind of have to yeah. think about ideas right now. But um, I mean, I it's I hard do... to organize your brain, isn't it, with that much information? 
and, yeah. and I also found that you know that, that you have or, or the, the delight of being able to enjoy treatments and being invited for treatments beautiful lovely you know luxurious um treatments but then finding that actually you don't have the time to do any of them no no kind of sad <laughs> I know I know it's such a first world problem though isn't it yeah <laughs> it's, it's kind of having like it is amazing but it um you know like next week actually I've taken a day I've taken a day off I'm going to switch my phone off and I'm going to have a facial and um and and have a pedicure which for me is like the dream it's the dream day it's it's amazing um, and is, is that a regular facialist or are you trying something that you might then write about I'm trying something I might write about actually yeah because mm. it's quite different and unusual actually um I'm trying a facial by um Sarah Braddon who does a um um I think she uses uh, uh needles like um acupuncture needles actually Millie told me how amazing she was as well Millie had I think had a treatment with her a few months ago and she was like oh my gosh you're going to see Sarah Braddon that's amazing um so where, really where does she have that now she's in um Harvey Nichols I thought so yes. yes she she does a friend of mine yeah it really does help keep the face firm and taught it's um I've I've heard some incredible things about her so I'm I'm so excited I've genuinely I've like booked the whole day off for this one hour appointment because um that's special I I understand now why why you're doing that on your day off yeah (laughs) because it it is special and actually quite hard to get an appointment with her I think yeah I'm so excited (laughs) so what would you say has changed because you started uh, at a time when you know Instagram didn't really kind of reached full momentum until about maybe 2013 and people started because I remember being on it and almost no one was on it and that was in about 2012 2013 yeah having started in 2007 you very much still a kind of non-social media uh, at least not Instagram so much so how how are social media and the abundance of influencers impacted print journalism um I'd have to say not I don't think massively, if I'm honest. I I think for our readership in particular, because we have um, a slightly, slightly older readership. I mean, you know, by older, I mean sort of 35 plus, um, 30 plus reader. Um, I still think our reader very much values um, expertise and um, expertise from not, you know, I think what we what we try to do is really put the expertise in the hands of the experts um, and through talking to them, kind of ultimately giving them the tips rather than us becoming sort of mini influencers ourselves, to be honest. I would much rather, um, you know, have a real um, focus on education, um, which is why we've, I'll, we can speak about this afterwards, but we've um, launched Telegraph Beauty School last year, which is... Mm um a whole yes. sort of series of of mm. um of webinars um again putting the expertise in the hands of the experts um and giving our readers the opportunity to ask lots of questions but um yeah I don't feel like actually social media has had a huge impact where it's actually I found it really um helpful is you've got this kind of amazing um uh, access to experts, um, to, to celebrities. I mean, I can, you know, on any one evening, you can see that Madonna's had her hair dyed a really interesting color. And, you know, that can then be like, oh, let me speak to Nicola Clark who does her hair color. And that could be a really useful story and an interesting story for our reader. So actually I found it, um, I think Instagram has been really positive in terms of, um, you know, our, our readers are still interested in um, sort of celebrities, high profile celebrities and that sort of thing, if it's someone that would resonate with our reader, um, of which there are so many on, you know, like Sharon Stone is brilliant on Instagram. So that's, mm. you know, I, I wrote a story last week because she had, um, she posted a picture of having her hair cut. And um, <laughs> in my, uh, I zoomed in on on a picture and um, on her, her bathroom cabinet, there were like two Willada skin foods like used up right to the end and a big pot of Nivea cream. I was like, that's amazing. You'd mm. never get this insight really that no. Sharon Stone uses a big pot of Nivea. And yes, I stalk, I stalk what people use sometimes. Yeah. And I do like to stalk who's done pe- somebody's hair. 
Exactly. I think the whole kind of celebrity culture and, and I think that has, has really opened up in a very sort of good way. You know, I feel like 10 years ago, if I was doing a celebrity interview, again, it would be very sort of, um, you know, it might be a bit cloak and dagger of like, what actually do they use? You know, people weren't always open about speaking about products or treatments or treatments that they were use, were doing. Whereas I feel like now actually we're in a, um, we're in a time where I think it's celebrated for people to use, you know, beauty products and try things and really kind of actually, you know what, I'm proud of investing in my um, skincare routine. And it doesn't mean that I'm any less focused on other things, but actually beauty plays such a lovely part in all of our lives to varying degrees that actually we can, um, it's nice to kind of open up about that. And I feel Mm. like celebrities and, I do a lot of kind of cover celebrity interviews now for Stella magazine. They're so much more open and willing to talk about beauty and like share secrets. And what I love is that kind of, there's a real like sisterhood around it, um, which is great. Again, I always go off on tangents, but (laughs) essentially I feel like, yeah, social media for us has been actually really positive. Um, And also the fact that we can kind of really quickly engage with our reader, you know, we've got slightly different varying readers across different channels but um we have a real sort of direct access to our um mm. to our reader which is invaluable so I, and you know influencers i i feel like um for our reader perhaps our readers still very much into expert influence rather than mm. listening to um, you're saying they're not experts yeah <laughs> 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 like trying to say in a really nice way i'm like <laughs> I mean, our reader would, yeah, essentially still like to hear from, as would yeah. I, a dermatologist. Yes. About, about SPF yeah. rather than, you know, some, someone who's, who's perhaps younger um, without the knowledge um, or expertise. Um, it's interesting there. because from a, from a monthly point of view, it changed things a lot. I mean, your turnaround is quick enough. Yeah. That you don't really have to worry about someone leaking your story that's not coming out for yes three months <laughs> you know you've got that problem uh, and and I think well for me I, I've always been addicted to some uh, Saturday and Sunday supplements actually so uh, two or three of the biggest newspapers in the country I, I, I buy them only for the magazine uh, in fact I'm going I want to say if any uh, newspaper editors hear this um, I, I just wish that you could buy the magazine I know <laughs> they never understand they think it's a you know a bonus to what they're they're providing but actually loads of people buy the telegraph on saturday and sunday for the magazine and for me it's the bible you know i love them and i keep them (laughs) oh i'm so so happy to hear that i mean it's um yeah i mean it's funny because i i um having never worked on a monthly magazine I can imagine it being quite frustrating in that news cycle I think because I'm so sort of geared towards what's happening right now and how can we get that information out you know and sometimes you're at, and you're at the premium you're at the premium newspaper and I think you know it's a bit like what happened with magazines that you know when everything went online the middle zone loads yeah. of magazines closed the most premium survived because you know it's it, it's brand reinforcement of Chanel advertising in, in pop mag- magazine or love it's brand reinforcement isn't it they don't worry so much about it converting to sales directly um and then and then you had the free newspapers so you had when metro launched you know and es magazine yeah. i love es magazine as well on, on a friday um and when do, they're yeah. free and then also people have access to constant scrolling from people looking at the beauty then that's a lot of free information before you come to buy yes. information, isn't it? So what you're actually doing is, uh, I mean, I think that you have to be really good at what you do to do something, uh, to be a journalist uh, on uh, a newspaper, uh, you know, for people to pay money for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, um, I think that's why we um, have a real focus on, on, we have a real focus on our sort of end consumer and on our reader because, you know, the Telegraph is behind a paywall. Um, we've got, uh, you know, you have to subscribe to be a reader. You could, I mean, certain elements of the website yeah. are I sometimes subscribe. free, but oh, <laughs> happy to have you on board. <laughs> but, um, but it's nice because you can, you can also read um, Stella 
online exactly and if you've missed it and I hate that feeling that I had for years if I hadn't got up early enough on a Sunday and they were all sold out that was like a meltdown for me yes oh gosh I'm this I'm totally the same I mean I still love the physical magazine and I still go out on a Sunday to you know pick up the magazine but um yes we've um you know we want to make sure actually because our readers are paying um you know even just for our online content that they're really going to get something out of it they're really going to get the best advice they're going to get the best um insight there's always a real point to the story um so yeah. and you know we like to we like to offer them sort of meaty reads and, and that sort of thing and I feel like actually beauty is really nicely placed to um to offer that and it's really nice that you know I love nothing more than sometimes scrolling through and, and finding a really you know perhaps from I read a lot of like American um, magazines that, you know, The Atlantic online, um, which I subscribe to because their pieces are so long, but also like obsessively long. You know, you can kind of spend a good 10 or 15 minutes reading a feature. And if you've got that time, um, you're getting such great insight into one top. You know, I remember last year, actually, they did a topic on Reiki, which is very niche. But I, you know, I found that so enjoyable and so ultimately what we want to provide for our readers is just really sort of interesting reads that um that have real sort of um expertise really and and they're really sort of geared towards our reader so we we have we know who our reader is and we want to make sure that all of our content is very tailored so we turn away a lot of stories there's many stories that I mean we get pitched hundreds of stories a week from freelancers um no from from sort of um from from press I mean PRs have been are incredible of now kind of coming to you with story ideas and that sort of thing which is amazing um but there's you know there's a very sort of um small type of story that would work for the telegraph and we have to be quite considered so there's although you know I think many people think is that with online you can just post anything and just put anything up and you can put loads of things up because it's online and it's infinite but we really do see our online offering as a real, um, you know, as a publication in itself. So we want to make sure that things that we're putting out, again, are written to the same standard that we'd write for the newspaper or for the magazine. Um, because you know that stuff is there, you know, it's going to be there for years to come. And um, yes, it's a reflection on the work. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's um, really so yeah, is. we always treat it with real importance, kind of our digital pieces. And I, you know, I feel like actually for younger journalists coming up through the ranks, um, the digital space is just so exciting. Mm. And what what advice would you give someone wanting to to write for magazines and newspapers and digital platforms? Um, I I always say um, to be really interested in reading a lot and varied stuff. So um, you know, even though I write about beauty mainly I still read a lot of like science stories and you know just very national geographic yeah totally totally like off completely that you know just real a real variety just read a real variety broader than your specialism I think makes you a much richer specialist journalist yeah absolutely and actually I don't think I really noticed I I've been doing that a lot more over the last few years and actually I feel like it's you know it it really does um help you to I guess I I think it helps with your sort of critical thinking as well because you you don't always then believe the own hype of I think the beauty industry is amazing but everything sounds so amazing you know I think there's um there's a real knack to perhaps being a bit more having a bit more thoughts and critical thinking around what makes uh what makes beauty kind of really interesting and newsworthy and what makes people want to read about it and I feel like reading a, a, a big variety of different stories really helps with that um and also just in my career what I've always tried to do is um kind of just be a bit of a yes person without being a complete walkover I don't like to say but I'd always try to be very sort of um helpful <laughs> helpful I feel like that's yeah. out that's definitely a, a key for the for the people that go in on internships and that's the way to start it isn't it really you write is. for an internship 
And then when you get there, you can't just sort of sit and twiddle your thumbs. You have to be ready to help anybody, anytime, like now. Absolutely. Gosh, it's so important, isn't it? A can, I think you have to be a can-do person. Yeah. yeah, completely. And, you know, I think sometimes it does make you, um, you might sometimes think, oh, gosh, I've, I've got a lot of my plate. But actually, it, um, it's such a brilliant industry to be in. And um, the fact that I can kind of um, now speak to some, you know, work on really amazing exclusive stories and speak to some of the most kind of like leading Hollywood ladies and and have and and turn around really interesting personal stories. Um, it all kind of pays off, like you know, those that real hard work as a as an intern or as an assistant, and it is generally very hard work, but it's it does pay off in the end, I feel. I it guess does. it depends where you are, but, you know, thankfully it has paid off for me. <laughs> Indeed. It's been remarkable, really, um, to go from work placement to intern, beauty writer to beauty, editor, beauty director, all the way on one title. You must have made a, a real impression. So, but who, who would you say has been your biggest champion? I think there's been a couple in my career. Um, the first editor I worked with, um, Nisha, on, um, on Stella magazine, uh, she's now with um, she's now with the BBC. Gosh, it lost me. I was like, what's that place called again? Oh, the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> she um, she was a real um, she was a real champion in terms of um, really sort of helping me um, shape my ideas. And I'd often pitch stories because you kind of enthusiastically do as, as a sort of young journalist. Um, but she really helped me, again, kind of think critically about stories. Um, I mean, there's several amazing mentor of mine when I was kind of in those early years as a um, colleague I worked with called Kate, um, who's a fashion journalist, Kate Finnegan. Um, and then also, you know, now um, the, the women I work with, so the senior um, the senior editors I work with at The Telegraph, um, Mary, Marianne, Caroline, Jane, Sasha. I mean, there's so many brilliant women that I actually, um, I feel very sort of fortunate to work with because, um, you know, they do have, they do really sort of um, champion you there, which is, is mm. amazing. And it's great to be able to work with women. And I look, when I look back on my own, I think, oh, I, I love working with women. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that. It's like a, it is like a sisterhood. It's like having big sisters, isn't it? Absolutely. To show you the way. Um, have you got any any words of wisdom or advice for any early career journalists, or perhaps people that have started? Because I think it's as hard to stay in journalism as it is to to sort of get your first step. And gosh, you know your your record is you know an example of someone that's really you know stayed. Um, and, and gone the whole way through from, from junior to senior on one newspaper? Yeah, I mean, there were definitely moments. I think, um, especially in those first few years, there were definitely moments where there were, um, I think, I, I feel like the last 10 years, things have changed so much in journalism in terms of, you know, a magazine team has gone from 20 to five, or, you know, it's there's been a it? real... Is that cost-cutting? Um, yeah, I think so. I think we've just, you know, the, um, our business has gone under a huge shift to become very sort of digital first and agile. Mm. So, you know, people have moved around now. We're very sort of um, hubbed as a beauty team, which makes amazing sense. And, and it's it's really sort of... Um, and by hubbed, you mean working across different platforms, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, like the, the fashion team work across all of the fashion content across the whole Telegraph group. That's what we do on beauty. So we, we kind of feed in beauty news on lots of different platforms. Um, but in terms of a sort of early journalist, I mean, I feel like those are probably the hardest. That's the kind of hardest time to really sort of establish yourself because um, it's kind of one thing getting your foot in the door. But like you say, kind of staying within journalism is difficult. Gosh, I'd, I, I would just say kind of keep at it. But that just sounds super cliche. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like actually reading pitching reading pitching reading pitching it's it's it can be a bit of a slog but um I feel like if you're super passionate about it and you've got a real sort of interest topic there is much more of a um opportunity now I think within beauty to become to have like real niches so if you've got a real interest in 
perfume writing, like Alice mm-hmm. Dupark, who yeah. is such an incredible perfume writer. Mm-hmm. Um, or spa, or it could be... Or spa, or yeah. exactly. It could be anything. If you've, if you've got a real passion in a certain... Because um, beauty and wellness is such a huge, huge umbrella. But if you've got a real, real passion for a subset, or um, I would say really kind of go for that, and you know become an expert in in that and um I think what um especially if you're kind of either if you're freelance or or if you're working on a paper and you have real knowledge about your specialism you know I think that goes really far um and I think it's you know it will be about Mm. time before you know people will start coming to you for that um for you to turn around those stories it's interesting you're talking about the sort of honing in on a specialism because actually sometimes as a journalist you feel sort of not the expert but interviewing experts but at some point actually journalists do become experts too over you know it can take a number of years because you might start just as a really great writer and you're interested in beauty and you love it but you don't know everything when you start do you but you absorb all that information from all the doctors and makeup artists and hairstylists that you've met over the years and you, you you grow this huge bank of knowledge absolutely I know I mean I I do feel like um you know even when I um if I'm doing a little makeup video or something on Instagram it's like I'm not I'm not a makeup artist but because I've learned so much from all of these incredible makeup artists along the way actually I'm, I'm not bad I can and and you can advise you know like I get asked all the time by friends and family what product do I need for this? What do I need for that? What what should I layer under this? How do I, you know, even something that I foolishly consider quite basic as a serum, you know, I've got friends who are um, really sort of amazingly smart, clever women who are just like, Sonia, what is a serum again? When do I need to use that in my routine? So uh, yeah, you totally do become a bit of a, you do totally absorb all of that information. But you get a lot of texts from friends asking for advice too, because (laughs) it's like constant free advice. Do you get it as well? Yes, I did. (laughs) I've still got a few and I don't, and I don't mind now because I'm not as busy as I was. But, and I remember thinking, gosh, if I were a lawyer and 20 people a day asked me, x y and z about which this or which that or i've got pigmentation what should i do you know and they're really they're not quick questions especially something like pigmentation you've actually got to write a really you end up writing what's like an article because you've got to be there's a responsibility to give the correct information (laughs) that's so true i know i know and i always um yeah completely because you don't want to recommend someone goes out and buys like a 30 pound serum unless you know exactly what their skin type is their condition you know like yeah, mm. there's a there is a real um uh, yeah I'd um... your work never stops does it, it never <laughs> yeah. stops um but fortunately it's something that you love and on that note that's my final question what do you love most about your job very cheesy but there are several things I mean I love interviewing people I absolutely love it um and I love um if I've spoken to if I've spoken to someone and then I have you know the fact that you can turn 8,000 words of a transcript interview if it was if you know if I'm writing a big sort of feature for the magazine and turn that into a four-page feature with pictures and everything you know and it's like gosh that gives me real like still gives me chills um seeing my like my byline having written a really you know like a really big sort of um uh, cover interview or something I love that and I love that um I love shaping story and kind of really kind of being quite geeky and in in building a story yeah I just love the the people really I think we've got such a unique industry in that you can you can really sort of tap into so many experts and god it's such a clever industry it is a clever industry it really is and sometimes people that don't understand it thinks it think it's fluffy and I never forget many years ago went on a date and I'd said that I was a a beauty director on a magazine and at some point later in the conversation he said oh because because you're a beauty therapist and he just didn't get, understand what we did at yeah. all he thought I don't know what he thought but you know he just didn't understand um but actually you need to be pretty smart to do to to be a hairstylist to be a good facialist versus a bad one Gosh, I mean yeah. you really have to understand so much about the skin and physiology 
and, and indeed to be a beauty journalist. And I know that, um, you know, in Australia, the beauty journalists usually become the ed editors because they're deemed to be the, the broadest, to have the broadest oh, skills. really? That's yes. interesting. Traditionally, that, that, that's happened because, because you can, you know, write various features, interview celebrities, shoot, you know, so there's a crossover of all the different departments. And the reason it doesn't happen in this country is because um, things have to be news driven. So the mm. features and the newspaper journalists become the magazine editors, even if they don't shoot. But that's another thing, part of the culture of editors not always understanding shooting. And I have worked for editors that don't even recognize when the shoot is amazing. Yeah. And they sometimes yeah. kill, kill the good picture. And you're like, that was oh, the best I know. Picture. I know. And we haven't <laughs> even spoken about shoots because that's actually, uh, gosh, that is one of the best things of the job. How do I even forget that? God, like building a team of like, oh, I, this photographer, this makeup artist, that hairstylist, and build, you know, oh gosh, yeah, yeah shoot I, lo days, I love shoot that. Days bit. The best. The shoots, art director shoots, and seeing something in your imagination come to life in, in print. I know, that, that I is, know. It's it's real. It's a real sense of pride, isn't it? It's um, it's kind of it's kind of magical, isn't it? Because you it you is. get a real sort of satisfaction, a job satisfaction. You think actually. All of that hard work has now resulted in this. Yes, yeah. manifestation um, to yes. physical from an idea, to something you can see, feel, read. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for talking to me, Sonia. It's been so interesting. And I'm sure that anyone listening is going to just be so fascinated to hear all your insights in, into your own career and take lots of tips for a career in, in beauty journalism. Oh, thank you so much for having me and, and for listening to me babble on for so long. <laughs> no, it's been really good. Lovely to talk to you. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Careers Insights podcast. Episodes are released bi-weekly onto Acast, Apple, Spotify and the British Beauty Council member zone. You can also follow the British Beauty Council on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok and Clubhouse to stay updated with the latest news. Or if you'd like to contact us and find out more about becoming a member or patron, please email join me at BritishBeautyCouncil.com.